time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does on this Thursday. We got Thursday night football to sink our teeth into. Sammy Arnell will help us with that. We'll get into the sports betting aspect of it, the handicapping side of it. Uh, Draymond Green's been suspended for five games by the NBA. We'll talk about that. It's my shocked face. And we'll wrap it up, as always, with odds and ends. But we begin things today in the NFL. Our good friend Jason Cole drops by the program, and we get into some National Football League talk with him. And, Jason, first of all, we do have a great – I mean, Al Michaels could finally exhale. We finally have a good game on Thursday Night Football because if I'm Al Michaels, I'd be like, why am I even doing this? Why why am I still calling games when I'm getting literally the crap games every week, it feels like? He's finally got a good one to call tonight. Well, I mean, the paycheck is a pretty good incentive, too. But, and Al likes, Al likes to have his gambling money, as is obvious <laughs> by the way he talks. So Al he needs, still, Al to needs this the day, gambling money. To this day, he denies that he gambles on games. Oh, whatever, sure. He, <laughs> he certainly knows an awful lot about the lines. He sure does. Like, either, either that or the ghost of the Jimmy the Greek has taken over his body <laughs> at some point. Um, but... Be that as may, um, yeah, you finally have a great game on a Thursday night, something to really get excited about, two teams with a lot on the line. Um, Bengals need a rebound after that ugly loss you know, against Houston, Baltimore. Like, likewise, coming off that loss to Cleveland, a lot of incentive here tonight. It feels like it's weird to say for a, for a team with their record, but it feels like this is a must-win for the Bengals tonight. Am I wrong? Well, no, because that that division's crowded. Now, I think Pittsburgh is eventually going to fade to the last spot in that because I just don't trust that they're that good. And Cleveland, now that they've lost to Sean Watson, you say, okay, there's a fade there. But when you get off to such a bad start, like the Bengals did, you lose your room for error. And when you lose the game to Houston the way that you just did, again, you lose that room for error. So you better pick up this game um, because over the last seven, there's going to be one or two in there that you say, okay, this one may not pan out, especially given all the injuries you've dealt with all this year. Um, you know, the, the both wide receivers have been banged up all year along with, you know, Burrow at the beginning of the year. At least Burrow looks healthy now. Yeah, he certainly does. What are you looking for early in this game as an indicator as to whether or not the Bengals can get out of Baltimore with a win? Uh, how they handle the blitz package that Baltimore throws at them. Uh, and Burrow is really good against the blitz, so you expect that he can mitigate that. But that's really the chess match, is when Baltimore chooses to blitz in given situations, are they able to get home, or is Burrow able to find an answer to what they do? That's going to be critical to this one. And can you force... Lamar Jackson to be a passer, you know, and force him to play, play from behind. Because the one thing they haven't done a lot of this year in Baltimore, they haven't had to play from behind. He hasn't had to rally. And he's had his moments when he's been good playing from behind. But generally, that's not where he's at his best. So, yeah. you know, force him to be a passer, basically. 270 and a half, I think, is his total for uh, both passing and r- rushing yards together tonight um so it'll be interesting to see how he does with that by the way jason cole's the author of this fantastic book i'm holding up it's called shut up it your is kid. fantastic it is fantastic absolutely shut up your kid is not that great 
Uh, it's fantastic. We've we've talked about it uh, a lot on this show uh, over the last few months. So give me a sense, you know, with with this injury for Deshaun Watson. I coming, you know, look. I, I looked at Cleveland as a legit contender uh, to win that division before we found out Deshaun Watson was going to be lost for the the remainder of this season. Do you really think the plan for them is to go with DTR the rest of the year and 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 not maybe go try and get a veteran off the scrap heap? Is is this the plan for this team? What veteran off the scrap heap are you going to get that's any better? It's a good okay. question. The, the answer is no. I mean, those guys have been picked over already. There's no, you know, you're past the trade deadline, so you're done on that one. I mean, unless you know, Matt, you know, can you get Matt Ryan to come out of retirement? Probably not. He's not going to do it at this point in time. He's not in shape. He's not ready for that. And, and that's about the best you're going to do. So I think you're better off going with a guy that you know that you know who knows your system, and you just do the best you can. But the timing is not great for this this injury, for the surgery for for Deshaun Watson. Not his fault, but timing is not great, and it's sort of like a continuation of the factory of sadness. I mean, that's just it's just the way life is for Cleveland. You just can't have nice things if you're in Cleveland. The factory, that's just the way it is. That is the greatest line ever. The factory of sadness. <laughs> that is, is what. It is Cleveland. Yeah, so there uh, you go. yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, yeah, it, but it does kind of make you laugh because a couple of weeks ago, Brady Quinn kind of went out of his way to say, "Oh, maybe he just doesn't want to play. He's got his money; it's guaranteed." All this, and it turns out mm-hmm. the guy winds up having a chip in his shoulder—literally a chip in his shoulder. A uh, literally a chip in his shoulder. I will say this: I did wonder. I didn't wonder whether the guy wanted to play. I wonder where the why whether the guy wanted to play for Cleveland and whether his soul had been sort of sapped by playing in a place that you don't want to play. He wanted to be in Atlanta. He wanted to be close to home. He wanted to get there. They weren't willing to do the deal. And sometimes when you take a deal and you go to a place that you didn't really want to be, it starts to show. So I was, I was feeling bad about it. It was a little unique. It was a little bit different. It was not, I'm just done and I don't want to play. I'm cashing my chips. I don't think that's what Deshaun Watson's about. But I do think that there was a certain, you know, regret. He's in a place that he doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I think that I think it's fair to to, to point out to that uh, as a possibility. Chatting with Jason Cole, OutKick.com, uh, senior NFL writer, also a Hall of Fame selector, who's joining us here on the show. Uh, the Jets, and they're still giving the vote of confidence to Zach Wilson. I guess what point do you, what choice do you have at this point in the season? And you got Robert Sala saying, "Hey, if Aaron Rodgers wants to play this year." And, you know, if he says he's ready and he can play, then he's going to play regardless of whether or not this team is 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 in a postseason run or has a chance to make the postseason. It just seems kind of weird to me. Let's cross this bridge when, when Aaron Rodgers actually says he's ready to play. I maybe, like, they're going to be hanging out around 500 because their defense is going to get them to 500. And the way that the AFC is unfolding, 500 or thereabouts, you know, a, a, a nine, a nine and eight, 10 win season might sneak you into the playoffs this year. So I can see the justification for it. I just think the Jets, you know, 
if Aaron Rodgers comes back and everything gets going, you got a chance. They're just they're all right. But you know, for right now, Zach Wilson is as good as they're gonna get. The bigger question they have is, you know, what's going on with Nathaniel Hackett? Because it's gone a long time. And you can blame Zach Wilson for a lot of things, but the offensive coordinator is culpable as well, especially when he has a track record going back to his, you know, his year in Denver and even his final year in Green Bay. He's just not calling plays very effectively right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Give me a thought on the situation in Buffalo with Dorsey being fired. Is this a, a shot over the bow for management ownership basically saying, hey, Sean McDermott, if it doesn't get fixed, you're next? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the, the gun got pointed at Ken, at Ken Dorsey right now, right? And he took the first bullet. The next bullet is going to, you know, because you don't just go through another offensive coordinator, right, with Joe Brady. It starts to point at the head coach. I think this is unfortunate because, look, they're missing four guys on defense. They've got, they've got some serious problems. And the one thing you have to just look at Josh Allen, and this is on him. Stop turning the ball over. Stop taking so many chances. Stop getting interceptions on first downs in, you know, in negative territory. Like, these are things that just can't happen and that are unnecessary. These are things that are on you. He's the coach killer right now, and he's got to get that under control. Um, so, uh, you know, you can, you can go through all the offensive coordinators you want until Josh Allen is ready to sit there and say, I need to stop, you know, either putting the ball on the ground or putting it in the other team's hands through the air. This is not going to change. They're not going to become an effective football team again. Does it feel to you, and, and I, we probably could have this conversation every year in the league, Jason, but it, all, it feels to me like outside of a few teams, the Chiefs, um, Philadelphia, um, you know, the Ravens are 7-3. Doesn't it feel like the entire league is somewhere between 4-6 and six and 6-4 six and four right now? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and that's because the quarterback, there's been so many either retirements or, in this case, injuries this year at quarterback. I mean, you go... Cousins, Watson, um, Kyler Murray didn't play the early part of the season. Who else? Aaron Rodgers out this year. Um, the retirements, you know, Matt Ryan, I know didn't play that well, but you took away a quality starter sure. out of the league. Tom Brady, obviously, out of the league. Derek Carr's hurt now. I mean, you just go through team after team after team, and you're just dealing with injuries or straight mediocrity at quarterbacks. Like Atlanta is just super mediocre, right, if if that right now. And they are indicative of a lot of teams. You know, even the teams you're wanting to get excited about with a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson in, um, you know, in Indianapolis, he's gone. Ryan Tannehill, you know, competent starter, gone in Tennessee. Just There's a brain drain right now at that position. Are the Lions a Super Bowl contender right now to you? Yep, absolutely. Um, would they be at the top of my list coming out of the NFC? No, that would be Philly and then San Francisco. But San Francisco depends a lot on health. And Philadelphia, as good as they have been in the one-loss record, they're sort of this team that's kind of, I like to say, playing with their food a little bit. Um, they're letting teams hang around in games where 
they should be crushing them. You know, like Dallas on that Sunday night game, like had no business being in position to try and win that game, and they almost did. If you're the Giants right now, are you trying to tank for Caleb Williams or one of those other top quarterbacks at the top of the draft? I don't need you think. I don't think you need to try to tank. <laughs> I mean, they're just awful, man. I mean, like, they're just bad. And Dayball's losing his mind. And yeah, go get Caleb Williams. Now, the question is, is he going to want to play for you? That's a, you know, because he's got the power to stay in. Is he going to want to play for you? And you got to answer that question because they're flexing their muscles out there about, you know, we're only going to go play for the team we want to play for. Yeah. We can go back to college, you know, the dad and the, and the, and the player. They're talking like that. Now, I don't know how true that's going to be, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, and, and you still have the idea of the Bears at number one right now, depending on what happens uh, with Carolina the rest of the season. And that opens up a whole assortment of possibilities when you talk about a, a Bears team that's got one in five, I think, right now. If the if the season were to end today, they could trade down from one if they feel like Justin Fields is the guy. You can go get Caleb Williams and get rid of Justin Fields. You can you could hang on to both if you want. I mean, they got a lot of options uh, there. Yeah, I, I'll just say this. Is if Eberflus is coming, is staying, Justin Fields is going. <laughs> but there's a possibility I mean, that Eberflus isn't staying, too. They could just clean out. Well, then, right. They could, in which case, another coach is probably coming in, and then he's probably going to want to get his own guy. So Fields is probably gone either way. Um, and, you know, it's sad because, yeah, I tend to believe that Fields is not good enough for the position as a thrower. But I would want to find, you know, I don't. I haven't come to the conclude that final conclusion stage and I'd like to see some more out of it. You know, I'd like to see if he can make the transition to become a better passer. I know a lot of people say he's just not going to make it. Maybe you're right, but there's an awful lot of gift there that I would want to find out before I made a final decision. Uh, before I let you go, who wins tonight? I pick Cincinnati. I do too. Um, yeah. I got a hunch on this one, but, like Baltimore is is incredibly tough. I mean, incredibly tough yeah, this year. Are. Their defense is their defense is strong, and they have, they've lost two games that were really weird, flukish games. The Cleveland game this last week with the interceptions, and then the game against Pittsburgh where they were ahead, and then they you know dropped four touchdown passes in that game, and then all of a sudden Pittsburgh. Got a couple plays, we're back in it. Those were games where normally Baltimore wins if it, just a couple of things don't happen. Uh, shut up, your kid is not that great. It's the book from Jason Cole. It's a great stocking stuffer this holiday yes. season. Yes, it great is. stocking Absolutely. stuffer. Uh, go and grab it at your nearest bookstore or go uh, to your nearest online bookseller as well and find it there. Jason, always appreciate it, my friend. Be well. Likewise. Take care, man. We're coming back. Sam Yarnell joins the show. We'll do some NBA talk with him. We'll also get into the Thursday night NFL game, odds and ends, all of that good stuff as we continue on this Thursday edition of the Sports Wrap. Rolling along on this Thursday edition of the show. Thursday night football preview, some NFL chatter coming up. 
in about 15 minutes. Still got odds and ends. There are a ton of odds and ends today. I'll run through them rapid fire, but there are a ton of odds and ends uh, to get into on the show today. Uh, Thank you to Jason Cole for hanging out with us, of course. Outkick.com. He does a great job on the NFL. Sam Yarnell is here. Off his uh, mid-pubescent performance yesterday on the show. How's your, home, How's your finally. voice? How's your voice? That's the first, that's uh, the most important question. I, I think it'll be okay today. I don't know. I you definitely won't sound. sound like I'm 13 years old in the middle of puberty. You I still, think I have a little more strength behind me today. You still sound. It's still, boy, man. You, you yeah, said, it's still there a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's still, still there. there. It's, still, it's still there a little Yelling, bit. Yelling. Listen, Jason, you yell at Sean McDermott and Ken Dorsey from the 100 <laughs> section of Highmark Stadium as much as I had to on Monday night. You wouldn't have a voice today either. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, let's talk some NBA. Look, I I feel like I am beating a dead horse with this Draymond Green stuff, um, but it's got to be discussed. It continues to be a pervasive problem for this Golden State Warriors team. It is a problem that they have enabled for all the time that Draymond Green has been with this organization. Kurt Heelan and I talk about it all the time. He single-handedly may have cost them an NBA title with his suspension, you know, uh, a few years back in, in the finals against the Cavaliers. I mean, we could go on and on about the detrimental behavior of Draymond Green. And time and time again, the Warriors organization has defended it. They always give him the benefit of the doubt. They are the parent saying, no, not my little Johnny. We just watched your little Johnny throw a rock at another kid. No, not my little Johnny. There's video of it right here. No, my, not my little Johnny. Every time with this Warriors team and Draymond Green, it's, yeah, but he means so much to the team. I mean, for crying out loud, I think he sat more games this year than he's played, either because of injury and now because of suspension. And it seems like every time, and people talk about this, every time, and, and J.J. Beal who was on the show with us yesterday, said it. Every time Stephen Curry isn't on the court for the team, if he takes a night off, you know, if he gets the rest night, we get the Draymond Green bad behavior. I mean, this is this is not professional. And the Warriors, for all the great things that organization has done, for all the things they've done in terms of certain social stances, I'm talking about great things they've done on the court in terms of winning titles. For all of those great things, they have this blind spot, this inexcusable blind spot when it comes to Draymond Green. And I can't figure it out, Sam. I don't think it's a blind spot, Jason. I think, you know, I I think it's the reason the Warriors were so good for so long. Like, yeah, Draymond cost them one title, but think about how much. It's a title. Think about how much he contributed when they won. You look at that Warriors team and the way they revolutionized basketball was obviously playing smaller than we had ever really seen before. And what did that team had have? They had one banger. There was one banger on that team, and it was Draymond Green. Draymond was single-handedly able to protect Steph and Clay from being beaten down and over or out physicaled by the other team. Uh so I think that he was so 
incremental to their success and to this day even when they have success he is because he's able to uh be that kind of protector it's almost like he's playing a hockey position uh of being you know the the defender the guy who who you kind of have to go through if you want to hit the star player and that kind of thing like Zdeno Chara was for so many years yeah he's kind of like Zdeno Chara on those Bruins teams to me that's that's the perfect analogy I think for what Draymond Green is to the Warriors because as much as he is annoying and the Vontaze perfect type where he is off the wall off the chain like there's actually something wrong with that dude based on his actions sometimes at the same time, that's what makes him so great, and that's what makes him so important to that Warriors team is that the other five guys across from them every night know, hey, you know, we go too hard at Steph or we close out Steph too hard on a three. You know, we're going to have to deal with Draymond right after it. Uh, or, you know, even the example itself, Jaden McDaniels, right? Y- you wrestle with Clay too much for a rebound. You're going to have to face Draymond Green. It's part of why the Warriors have been so successful for so long. He's just a bruiser, and quite frankly, a team that's built like the Warriors needs a bruiser. But here's the thing. If you want to talk about what he helped the organization do, and there is the good that comes with the bad, obviously the title. You could argue he cost them against the Cavs. But grant, and I'll I'll grant you the stuff that you're talking about and, and what he's helped them accomplish. Why? Knowing where this organization was at the end of last season, why do you extend him, give him a new deal, and send Jordan Poole packing? Now, look, maybe Jordan Poole was part of the problem, too. Maybe Jordan Poole's attitude, maybe maybe some things that we weren't privy to behind the scenes were part of the reasons why they sent Jordan Poole packing. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that Draymond Green, who at this stage of his career is not the dream on green of four or five years ago, gets a huge number that they're going to be stuck with now for the next few years. And, you know, you sent Jordan Poole on his way. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. This organization should have torn it down at the end of last year. They had every opportunity to do so. And yet again, I, I will repeat this. I would rather pack it up a year too early than a year or two or three years too late. And right now, it's obvious. This organization's going nowhere. They're, it's it's over. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you've got the only guy who could score over 20 points a game is Stephen Curry. <laughs> He's not in the lineup. That's obviously a problem uh, for this team. This is the Warriors of today. They might be a play-in team at this point. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They'll probably get in. Andrew Wiggins is going to play better inevitably. Some of these other pieces are going to mesh together. They're going to play better basketball. But what are they, a 48-win team? Maybe a 50-win team if you max them out. And then you say, hey, we'll just take our chances in the postseason that this team could flip the switch, catch fire, and, and make a magical run one more time. It just doesn't seem to be built that way to me right now. When you stack them up against the best of the West. Live win total. That's a great handicapping by you, Jason. My God, the live win total on this team is 47 and a half. It's easy. With juice yeah. to the over. And so, I didn't even uh, look at that, by the way. <laughs> sure. I didn't. I really didn't. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm clicking on it now to go look. I believe you. Uh, my thing, and I think it's a, an important thing, an important 
event, an important piece of the Draymond Green timeline that we cannot overlook is what you mentioned with the Jordan Poole thing and the Warriors' decision to keep Draymond a 33-year-old at the end of his career instead of Jordan Poole, a 24-year-old up-and-coming guard. My, my whole problem with that situation was, like you said, you'd rather – blow it up one year early, then blow it up two years late. 100% agree with you there. But at some point, you're the Warriors. You've you've revolutionized the NBA and the game of basketball over the course of the last decade in a way that we haven't seen since, like, the 90s Bulls, right? And to just want to hold on to that instead of trying to keep the system in place with new players in the form of Jordan Poole, that's when I kind of understood that there's got to be something that Draymond has against Steve Kerr or Warriors ownership that he's blackmailing with blackmailing them with to keep him on the team because there's no real justification for keeping Dray. I don't care if he wins you 70 games a year. At the end of the day, you want the Jordan Poole type who has way more potential than Draymond, who you know what you're getting in. Clay Thompson is another big part of the Warriors' problem right now. There's no question about it. His shooting percentage is down. The number of shots he's getting off is down, which means he's having trouble creating for himself or having trouble getting open. If, if this is the Clay Thompson that the Warriors have for the rest of the season, one, he's not getting extended, and he won't be part of this team going forward. Um, and he's not going to get the bag of cash he wanted. And he even said himself, you know, at the end of last season, he said, this is going to be the most important offseason of my career. He said, this is the most important preseason of my career as we started the preseason. Well, if you give all that buildup, and this is the Clay Thompson that the Warriors are getting here in the early going, You've got to wonder. I mean, what's what's really left here if you're this team when it comes to Klay Thompson? It's not to say he can't contribute, that he won't be a factor this year, but if he can't be the Klay Thompson of even four or five years ago, at this point, again, from a scoring options standpoint, this team does not, and, and we always think of the Warriors, a prolific scoring team. They'd come out in the third quarter, blast teams' teeth out, take their will away. This isn't that Warriors team, and they're not good enough defensively to cover for the lack of offense that they have. It looks like a long uphill climb for this team this year uh, as we talk about the rest of the season. Let me ask you this, Jason. Who wins more games this year, the mm-hmm. late, or the Clippers or the Warriors? Wow. It, it, I'll tell you what. Uh, and right now, wow, the Clippers number right now is 43 and a half. I know. That's why I'm asking, because the Clippers have a lower win total right now. I think the Clippers. uh, And I'll take the over on the Clippers. Because, you know, look, as much as, as, yeah, see, as much as um, we're kind of poo-pooing the Clippers right now because they haven't won a game since, since James Harden got there and they've really struggled, that thing has the potential to still get better. There is still a lot of talent. Granted, some of it is aging talent. Um but I still think long run, they find a way. Ty Lue's a great head coach. I think I still think long run, they find a way, and I think there is more potential upside to that team right now than there is this aging Warriors team that just feels like it's sort of running in mud. So if you ask me, I'll I'll go with the I'll go with the Clippers right now. I'm with you, hundred percent.
Yeah. All right. Let's do some NBA. Uh, we did some NBA. Let's do some NFL conversation coming up on the other side. We've got a Thursday night football game to sink our teeth into. Oh, we are excited. Al Michaels is probably really excited. Kirk Herbstreet's probably really excited. Can't wait to talk about tonight's big Thursday night football game. Some NFL notes to get to as well as we continue with the sports wrap on this Thursday. We continue on this Thursday edition of the show. Odds and ends to wrap things up coming up. About 15 minutes. Oh, as Sam would like to say, we got a banger tonight. Thursday night football should be a beauty. Bengals, Ravens. I mean, look, this is, you know, this is the Ballyhoo. You know, this is this is it for 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 the Bengals. I mean, this is a game. This is a must win for them. At this stage of the season, um, when you consider the loss last week at home to Houston, the fact that they've already lost to this Ravens team this year, I mean they gotta they gotta get this game tonight. Um, we'll talk about it from a betting perspective here in a couple of minutes, uh, but just talk about the matchup in general, Sam. I mean this is this is a big one tonight. It's more than a must win for the Bengals. They they have to win this game by. Two touchdowns. Don't just win. It's on the road in Baltimore. Just win the game. It's not. It's not just that. They need confidence back. They just lost to a Texans team that has. They just lost to a team that isn't even necessarily going to win the division. And as a team that's flirting with five hundred, you cannot do that, especially as a team that's on the rise, right? Like we have other teams that we, the Bills, for instance, the Bills are, should punt on the season. The Bengals do not have to punt on the season yet. Uh, they just need to win this game handily uh so or handedly i should say so that they can get that confidence back this is a huge momentum swing game if they don't win this game maybe joe burrow sits the rest of the year oh, seriously stop it. gets the leg back healthy gets ready for next season because what are they He's playing fine. for if they lose this game if they teams don't just bench guys that are healthy at this stage of the season if they're if they're a 500 team you're crazy and if he were fully healthy they wouldn't be a 500 team no Jason. i think they are first of all i think he is fully healthy he made that clear after the game against buffalo when they said what's the difference with you right now he said i'm healthy so the guy is healthy there's i don't it's not an issue of whether or not joe burrow is healthy it's it's a question of and look they won on a last second field goal so let's face it now you're poo pooing the the texans the team that you were picking to to win that division and have put a healthy wager on now to win that division we have to admit that the Texans are a better football team than we thought. There, look, there's a lot of parity in this league this year. The difference between four and six and six and four is not a lot. The difference between five and five and four and five and four and six, all these teams are very interchangeable right now, with the exception of what? Maybe a handful? At most, maybe a handful? So, you know, the difference between the Texans, the Ravens, the the Jaguars, the um, the Bengals, the Browns, th- there's not there's just not a lot of gap in between these teams. You're talking a player to every game that's basically deciding a lot of these games and the fate of a lot of these teams. 
I think that when you look at these teams and you look at the divisions they play in, I I just I don't think it's really comparable. Like the Texans are not as good as maybe they're as good as the Steelers, maybe. But other than that, they're not as good as any team in the AFC North. Strength of division totally matters when you're talking about these kinds of things. And the Texans are an okay team in a really bad division. Same principle goes with whoever wins the NFC South this year. Both of the South divisions, there's just not a lot of competition because there's not a lot of talent. Uh, So because of that, The AFC North is the division that has the most talent in the NFL. Uh, You want to say the AFC West? Russell Wilson hasn't come around enough and the Raiders. Uh, It's the AFC North. They're the division with the most. The NFC East, they've got Tommy DeVito starting for one of their teams. It's the AFC North by a landslide. Every team in the AFC North would be in first place in probably four divisions in the NFL right now. Uh, When you talk about from a talent standpoint, strength of schedule, because their schedule would be completely different. This, it shouldn't have been close last week, especially for a Bengals team coming off of a win uh, against the Bills at home in Cincinnati. They should not have made this game even, it shouldn't have been a field goal for the Bengals. I I don't think you're giving the Texans, I don't think you're giving the Texans enough credit. I really don't. They're just not a good enough team yet. The Texans are up and coming. They're very much an up and coming team. And I love them. They are very close to my heart right now. I've made that clear on the show. (laughs) They are up and coming. I love both sides of the ball for them. They're just not, they're not good yet. They're not beat the, they're not beat the Bengals good. They're not beat the normal Bengals good. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Jacksonville sucks. Jacksonville Jacksonville six and three. And again, you're making my point for me. What's the difference between six and three? And don't talk about strength of schedule because Jacksonville beat Buffalo. Now you're going to say Buffalo is not a good team now. But but again, the difference, and, and that wound up being a, a close game near the end. Granted, Buffalo, Buffalo had was to, a good team then, too. They were a very good team. Well, they, got, they, they suffered some injuries. That was the game where their season started right. to go downhill. Uh, the Matt Milano injury being one of those things. But I'm just looking, you know, the difference between the Dolphins at six and three leading the AFC East. And the Chargers are four and five, or the Raiders are five and five. It feels like the entire league. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the show in a similar fashion. It feels like to me the entire league is six and four, five and five, four and six. With the exception of look, the Eagles are eight and one. And you got a couple of six and three teams. The Lions are seven and two. That's it. Chiefs are seven. The and Ravens, two, right? the, yeah. Chiefs, Ravens, Philadelphia have sort of separated themselves from the pack, and that's it. Everybody else just feels like they're very much bunched up together, and it's great because it means a lot of teams still have the potential over the final half of this season, final you know six, seven games of this season to make a run, and they still have something to play for. But it, the idea of right now, if the Bengals lose tonight, well, I'll just fold up the season. They'll be five and five. And granted, it's going to be difficult to make the 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 playoffs as a wild card, as a five and five team, considering they'll be the fourth best team within their own division. But just get a win tonight. This is look. This is a, to me, it's a make or break moment from the Bengals from the perspective of do we still think they have a chance to accomplish things come the postseason? 
If that's going to happen tonight, just win. I don't care if it's 17-16. I don't care if it's 35-34. I don't care if, you know, Lamar Jackson drops the ball inside the five in the final two minutes and it winds up, winds up leading to a Bengals win. I don't care. Just find a way to get a win tonight. I'm I'm with you. They need to. But I think that in that conversation we were having about the teams that, like you said, have separated themselves this season, the Ravens are one of those teams, and the Ravens covered this game tonight. That's my pick for the game, Jason. I like the Ravens minus three and a half. Minus three and a half, minus 180 on the money line. Uh, the Bengals, obviously, plus three and a half, plus 152 on the money line. 46 is the total. Yuck. I've been nailing totals. I've been nailing totals left and right. I've had a really good season with totals. Um, I'm a little uneasy on this one. My my gut tells me it's an under because it feels like a lot of the Thursday night games have gone under. It feels like, frankly, all the Thursday night games, I think, have gone under. Um, we'd have to go back and research that, but I'm pretty sure most of the Thursday night games so far have gone under. So if I were going anywhere right now, I'd probably go um, under 46. And I think the Bengals win tonight. I think I think Cincinnati wins tonight. It's a game they have to have. This is a moment. I think it's a seminal moment in their season where we're talking about them being a Super Bowl contender. This is the game they have to have tonight. I think they bounce back and get a win tonight. I said it at the beginning of the season, just a last note here on the Bengals. I said it at the beginning of the year. I said it before the year started. I'm sticking to it now. They've got to win this game tonight or their window might actually, this game might close their window. Yeah, I know. Look, uh, we've talked about it with the free agents, you know, yeah, that right. they've got and, to deal I, with. You know, I said, I said after they, after they had a rocky start, their window may already be closed. They lose Boyd and Higgins after this year. You can't pay both of them. You can't pay Higgins if you're planning to pay Chase. So you're going to pay Boyd. You've also got Irv Smith Jr. Who's kind of revamped himself in Cincinnati this year as a free agent after this year. You're going to have to shell out some money for him. You already lost Hayden Hurst, who was uh successful to an extent in that offense and you see what it's done this year so this this game tonight for the Bengals is going to be massive in my opinion in deciding where they go the next two to three seasons uh I like Joe Mixon any touchdown score tonight at minus 115 got any player props you like I would probably go with one of the Ravens running backs to score an anytime touchdown. I haven't looked at the numbers. Maybe Gus, so Gus Edwards Gus at plus Edwards 105. Plus 105 yeah. I might go Gus Edwards. But see, my problem with that is th- this team has that propensity to give the ball to random running backs on the goal line, right? We'll see Justice Hill get goal line carries in this game. So I don't know if I'd like a specific player prop. I may go Lamar Jackson passing plus rushing yards. Pull that up right now. See, well, his passing, passing is two twenty five and a half. So his passing plus rushing is two seventy and a half. And I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pull the trigger on that. We'll go Lamar Jackson over two seventy and a half passing plus rushing yards. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not as confident in that. I'm not sure I'm as confident in that. Burrow two fifty three and a half against that Ravens defense, which is gonna have a lot to prove coming off of last week. 253 and a half. Yeah, what are you thinking? Thinking under on the 253 and a half and also interception for Joe Burrow. It's minus 114 either way for him to throw a pick right now. And I like him to throw a pick tonight just because I think there's a chance that 
they get down by 10 points at one point in this game and start having to air the ball out a ton. And he throws a deep one that just slips out of his hand or something, or Tyler Boyd runs the wrong route or wherever the case may be. uh, And we end up with a pick. So I'm going to go Joe Burrow pick as well. All right. That's what we like for tonight. We'll have a full recap tomorrow on the show. We'll see how we did. Check Sam's Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it. Sam underscore Yarnell prior to kickoff for any picks you might want to jump in on with him. Maybe I'll post mine at the back page over on X as well. What were you going to say? We hit a plus 650 and a plus 280 on Monday night, Jason. You got to be following along if you want to win. Yeah, you did. I saw you were very excited about Dalton Kincaid. We're coming back with odds and ends. A lot to get to as we wrap up this Thursday edition of the Sports Wrap. Stay with us. All right, getting set to put the wraps on this baby for a Thursday. Thanks again to Jason Cole, Sam Yarnell. Hanging out with us on the show. Uh, Odds and ends. Let's wrap it up with a few things that aren't necessarily getting a ton of coverage today, but maybe they should be. Uh, ALNL Cy Young go to Garrett Cole. The Yankees, Blake Snell from the Padres. Not a big shock for either. For Cole, it is his first. It really was the only thing missing from his resume. Um, obviously, he doesn't have a World Series yet, but uh, I'm sorry, he does have a World Series, obviously, with the Astros. It was really the only thing missing from his resume. Uh, will he win more? We'll have to wait and see. Depends, obviously, uh, on the trajectory of his career as it relates to the Yankees. For Snell, his second Cy Young Award. Uh, congratulations to both of those guys. A couple of notes from the NBA. Interesting comments uh, from Adam Silver made on Wednesday uh, talking about the possibility of expansion. And obviously, that is a huge topic for the NBA right now. Two spots that keep coming up when it comes to expansion, um, maybe not necessarily the places you would think of. Vancouver, we've already had an NBA team there. It didn't go very well. Uh, And Montreal. Those two teams uh, are possibilities as we look forward uh, to expansion. Mexico City is also another name uh, that has been brought up. So if you want to keep an eye on expansion for the NBA at 30 teams right now, um, if they ever decide to move to 34, you would hear about those two teams. Because remember something, Seattle and Las Vegas are going to be before anybody. The first two teams that are going to get expansion teams are going to be Seattle and Las Vegas. Then you might potentially see a couple of teams uh, from Canada uh, that would get teams. From the pages of Don't Burn Your Bridges, and I speak from experience on this. Uh, 27 years in the industry, you're going to burn bridges. Some accidentally, some intentionally. Mark Jackson apparently burned some bridges in New York. Maybe not necessarily with New York, but with an assistant coach that is a part of the Knicks team. Jackson was doing games or was slated to do games on color commentary for the Knicks. Remember, he was let go in the big bloodletting over at ESPN over the summer. Well, it turns out Jackson was getting ready to do five games for the Knicks instead of Walt Clyde Frazier, who takes some games off throughout the season. He doesn't do every single game uh, in the analyst chair. So Jackson was getting ready to fly with the team when GM 
Leon Rose, or head of player personnel, whatever his title is with the team, said, uh, not so fast. <laughs> You're not getting on the plane. The reason? Apparently, one of the assistants for the Knicks was an assistant with the Warriors when Jackson was there, and they didn't necessarily get along. This assistant coach reportedly had tape-recorded Jackson. It might have been part of the reason Jackson was ultimately let go from his role with the Warriors. Isn't it kind of funny, though? All these years later, after his opportunity coaching the Warriors, how many guys do we see get recycled throughout this league? Who never got another opportunity? Mark Jackson. And it makes you wonder why. Could it have been, you know, his comments regarding uh, LGBTQ players potentially playing on his team? I don't know. Um, Could it be the fact that he rubbed some players in the league the wrong way? I don't know. And also remember... Right after he left, the Warriors went on this prolific run uh, of winning NBA titles. So just something to think about as you sort of look forward. Last one for me. Carissa Thompson does a really good job over at Fox Sports uh, on the NFL games and the sideline reporting, all of that stuff. So this isn't anything personal. I don't have any grudge. I don't have any vendetta, anything like that. But she recently said on a podcast, I think it was the Barstool Sports Podcast, maybe pardon my take, if I'm not mistaken. She recently said that she actually made up halftime reports, made up quotes, said she talked to a coach when she really hadn't. Not a really good look for the world of journalism or reporting as it may be in sports. Now, look, sports reporters in general is kind of a loosely based term. Because the fact of the matter is, there's a very thin line between opinion journalism, straight-up factual journalism, you know, halftime reporters, folks that'll give opinions. There's just, it's all very much blurred together in sports. In news, there are straight reporters. Um, Not a ton of them, but there are straight reporters. In sports, there are very few straight-up reporters. Everybody's got an angle. Everybody has a bias. Everybody has a prejudice of some sort. But for Carissa Thompson to stand up and say, now some people are going to say, well, it was on part of my take, so can you really take it seriously? She went into pretty good detail about the fact that she made up reports from coaches at halftime. If either it was something that she thought might embarrass the coach and she didn't want to say what the coach really said, or if she went to go ask a coach a question and he just simply blew her off, she said, hey, I made it up. Aaron Andrews actually said something similar um, in, in interviews within recent years as well. It just makes you wonder, why do we even bother? You ever see the halftime interviews or end of quarter interviews in NBA games and some of the questions that are asked and the very nondescript sort of vague answers we get uh, from coaches? It makes you wonder why they do any of this stuff. Just cut it out altogether because we're not really getting much information uh, from these reports at halftime. We're not really getting all that much information. Now, when it comes to injuries... During games, I think those reporters do a good job. They get the you know the team personnel on the sideline telling them, hey, a player's questionable, may return, may not return. That stuff is useful. But all this other malarkey, you know, where you've got these reporters supposedly running around at halftime and they get a quick question with a coach as they run off the field, it's kind of useless, isn't it? I think it is. It's going to wrap it up for this Thursday edition of the Sports Wrap. Thank you for being a part of it. Thanks to Sam Yarnell for hanging out with us. The great Jason Cole of Outkick.com, their senior NFL writer. Don't forget, get his book, 
Shut up. Your kid is not that great. It's in bookstores. We'll see you back here on Friday for Page versus the Prince, a Thursday night NFL recap and a whole bunch more. I'm Jason Page. That's the Sports Wrap. We'll see you tomorrow.